This is the final week of this series, and I know the thing that you're going to miss the most, just like me, about the sermon series is that music from that sermon bumper. Because I, I don't know about you, but like I just walked up here, and I, I just it was kind of soothing and calming, especially on a nice, cold, rainy day where I don't know if you brought your blankets in with you. If you're at home with your couch, you know, I'm sure you've got like a warm blanket and a cup of coffee and stuff, and, and you're doing just all right. Um, now that we're here, though, for this final sermon in the sermon series... I want to kind of contextualize everything that we've talked about, because you may have noticed that there's kind of a trend in the topics that we had that was very fundamental, it's very basic, like here are the building blocks of what God has set apart for us to be holy and sacred for our lives. These are the things that God has created uh, for us to point us to his purpose for our lives and how we live, um, live that out. And on a practical level, that means that our schedules, that means that our money, that means that our talents, our relationships, our purpose, it's all going to reflect what God sets apart as holy and is a reflection of his glory. When God calls something sacred, it has eternal purpose. And throughout the New Testament, Jesus and his disciples refer back to these things that we've talked about the last four weeks, these Old Testament things that God has set up, that he's established, and they talk about how this is how it was, now this is how it's going to, now this is how it is, or this is how it's going to be. And it's all because that the things that God instituted as sacred were pointing to the need for Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled all of those things. They're fulfilled in Christ. And the challenge is now that we build the healthy spiritual habits, the healthy spiritual disciplines that the Holy Spirit works through to remind us of these eternal truths that God has made sacred in our lives. And of course, we could look at more than just the five that we're looking at in this series, but like I mentioned before, these are the foundational, fundamental, sacred spaces in our lives that we're called into uh, through God. In week one, we talked about the sacred relationship that God sets apart with the nation of Israel. And we talked about how when God established establishes that sacred relationship on the mountain. He's giving Moses instructions. In the meantime, the people, the nation of Israel, they're building sacred cows. Quite literally, they build a golden calf and they start worshiping that in the face of God establishing um, a, a relationship with them. Despite being witness to God's goodness, they were distracted by the world around them and their immediate desires. And yet God still honors his sacred relationship that he establishes. Uh, their eternal purpose, the nation of Israel, was to be the people through which God would bless the entire world, ultimately through Jesus. And that sacred relationship is what we're called in to today. In week two, we talked about the name of God. Anyone who lives or acts in the name of God carries with them an eternal purpose. When we become a Christian, we are establishing a covenant relationship in which our words and our actions are a reflection of God's sacredness. Uh, taking his name in vain, for example, that's one of the things that we looked at. It's not just about using God's name flippantly, but also uh, when what we say and do ascribes unreality to the one who is and is to come. Living up to God's name gives us eternal purpose. In week three, we talked about the Holy of Holies, the most holy room that was in the tabernacle and the temple in which God would manifest his presence. This is where we would come and show up, and once a year, only once a year, the high priest and only the high priest would go in and make a sacrifice that would then atone for the sins of the nation, make an appeal, a sacrificial offering to appeal to God for forgiveness. 
And this was all an illustration that leads up to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus died, that veil that kept us from God's presence, it was physically and spiritually torn so that we could be with him. And so we can be in the presence of God uh, with Jesus having the actual power to appeal to God for forgiveness as the true high priest once and for all. And as a result, the holy sacred place of God's presence is now our hearts and our souls and our minds. Last week, we talked about the memorials of sacrifice, that when something is truly sacred to us, we sacrifice for it. And so baptism, communion, our lives are those sacred places through which God continues to remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus, um, who he is, and how we're meant to pass him on to the following generations to, and to those around us. Christians have the sacred task of remembering Jesus from generation to generation until he comes again and he's with us forever. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to stop there and go ahead and fast forward to the end. And I don't know how many people feel, it, maybe not sure what I mean by that. And what I mean is, I'm ready to be with Jesus forever. <laughs> now, I, I, we can celebrate that because, yeah, absolutely, we can celebrate that because I don't mean that to be like, like a, a negative thing. I'm, I'm talking about like, that's how much I'm looking forward to being in the presence of God. And, and I would encourage you to, to think about the world in those terms, like, the fact that God calls us into this type of relationship with him uh, that makes his sacred dwelling place us through his Holy Spirit, and that when we gather together and when we're worshiping him, we know that he is here with us, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that always being the case. And so, and so that's, that's something I would, I'd love to do. Like, I, I want to just go ahead and skip to the end because I know that's the best part. But in the meantime... In the meantime, uh, yeah, absolutely, amen, <laughs> I'm with you. In the meantime, the reality now, the, what we have to deal with, like we might have the head knowledge that God is victorious, that Jesus has already won, won the battle, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to feel that truth sometimes. Because sometimes we're hindered by the cares of the world, sometimes we're distracted by the things that are going on around us. Um, most often because we're not perfect at building into our daily rhythms and practices the healthy spiritual habits that keep us centered on what God calls sacred. However, and this is, this is the key, and this is contextualizes this whole series and this message, is that living our lives on the foundation of what God has called sacred will produce the sacred moments in our life that allows us to experience on earth how it is in heaven. I understand that there are people and circumstances that can seem like insurmountable obstacles to that end, but God has set that life aside as sacred through Jesus for you and me, the life that he calls us to. And what God has called sacred in the past leads to an eternal purpose in the future that is realized by how we live our lives in the here and now, in the present. He's used all kinds of things and people and laws and ceremonies that we can read through and maybe often, uh, unfortunately, skip through <laughs> in the Old Testament. And we can look back and how he was always setting the stage for eternity, that he was always pointing the way to Jesus and the relationship that he was going to and has invited us into. And he's still staging for that eternity now. His work hasn't, it's been accomplished, but he's not done with any of us. And the call that he has on your life right now is set apart and is sacred. 
Think back with me when people were, for example, like setting up and tearing down the tabernacle, the place where God was physically, like, that's where you went to worship God, or building the temple where they knew the presence of God would, that's where he would physically manifest his presence as part of worship for the Israelite nation. And think about, I wonder if those people who were, you know, cutting down trees or making fabric, whatever it might be, did, did they know the significance of what they were doing and what it ultimately meant? And I, and I wonder, like, if, if that's true for us today, do we, do we understand, like, the life that we're leaving, leading right now, the things that we're doing each and every day, do we understand the significance of what we do and the impact of that means for all of eternity? Because even way back when the nation of Israel, when they're, when they're worshiping God, when they're being the people through whom God would bless all the rest of the nations, the significance of them building a structure where they would go to worship God was so much bigger than just that. It also pointed to the rest of the world why we need Jesus and why he would be the complete sacrifice for our sins. And maybe we don't see, you know, a clear indication in our lives of how that's true or even for them. Uh, sometimes, you know, we can see, for example, it's always easier in hindsight to look back where the nation of Israel thought that their relationship with God was a reason to show favoritism, you know, to themselves rather than to be a blessing to others. Uh, but we have the benefit of hindsight as a teacher that we might not make the same mistakes. The promise of God's eternal purpose for our future is found in the sacred call of our lives today. And if we just skip to the end and we didn't have to, uh, and we didn't get to experience that in this case, it would be a lot more empty of an experience. When we see this time and time again throughout the Bible, God setting apart men and women and children to be an expression of himself to communicate his message and his will to the people of the world. In the Old Testament, God sets apart people like patriarchs or priests and judges and prophets by calling them to carry out his sacred will here on earth. And he does the same with you and me. Everyone God calls is an ordinary person through whom God does extraordinary things. Even though initially we might think it's only reserved for other people. So consider with me maybe one of the prophets that I, maybe you haven't heard of or maybe a, a book in the Old Testament that you haven't read with, but his name is Jeremiah. This is one of the people that folks through, uh, thought Jesus might be when he came and did his ministry. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Uh, they mentioned two names, Elijah or Jeremiah or some other prophet. Uh, and by the way, while there were good times, Jeremiah didn't live through a rosy period. This is a little bit of a sermon rabbit trail. He didn't live through a rosy period of the Israelites' history. In fact, the fall of the kingdom of Judah and the subjugation of the nation of Israel to uh, the nation of Babylon took place during the period of his prophetic responsibility. Um, in fact, he advocated for the surrender to Babylon, according to how God instructed, uh, to him, uh, instructed him uh, a uh, rabbit trail I look forward to exploring later on. Uh, not today, though. Here's the call of Jeremiah, though. Here's how it began. Jeremiah 1, starting in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. 
See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah is no different than any other person on this earth who has lived. He's no different from me. Because when I read Jeremiah's words, when I read his response to God, I think, I know exactly what that feels like. God, I, what? You want me to do what? Like, I don't, I don't have the words to say. I don't, I don't I, like, I'm, I'm not this fantastic order that's going to, like, change the world. And you want me to do what? Like, you're saying you're putting these words in my mouth that have the power to tear down and to build up. You know, that, that's, that's crazy talk. That, that can't be possible. And yet, that's true for every one of us. This is the way that God calls us, is he takes ordinary people who say, there's no way that you're going to do extraordinary things in and through me in my life. My life can't be that important in the grand scheme of things, and yet God makes it so. He makes his call on your life sacred. It doesn't mean that we have the same call, but we all have a call within the function of the body of Christ. And you can read that throughout the New Testament that we're all called to be a part of the body, and we all are called to respond to unique, God's unique call on our lives in the same way, because we make God's call sacred in our life through obedience to him. He's not looking for us to have life figured out. Uh, he's not looking for us to set up our own required, desired in- outcomes, but instead to trust him. And believe me, I understand that it would be, seem a little bit easier because, you know, Jeremiah seems unique and other prophets and, and, and leaders seem unique because they're like, well, uh, uh, like God audibly like spoke to him and said, this is exactly what, what I want you to do and say, and like life would be easier in those terms. But to be blunt, if we don't give God space um, by being obedient to what he's already called us to, you know, then we're not, if, if we don't do that, then we're not giving him space to get much more specific in our lives. And that was the before Jesus call, here's the after Jesus call. And this is Paul writing to Timothy as he's mentoring him in the faith. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. This is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. You know, the holy life that God has called us to isn't just about jumping through hoops that God arbitrarily sets up and says, you know what would be fun? Let's Let's make people do this. And, and, you know, and, then, and then we'll kind of pivot and we'll, we'll go this way and just see how they handle those things. The reason that God calls us to the life that he calls us to is because it's the only way to experience life to its fullest and purest extent. And while none of us are perfect, we all get a glimpse of what that looks like because obedience to God's call in our life places us within God's sacred purpose and grace. 
So the, the more you and I may be looking for, God, I, I'd like you to get way more detailed. So could you let me know, like, <clears throat> today, what, what should I do, you know, after service is over? Where should I go to lunch? God, I'd be fine with you, like, filling my whole schedule. I would, like, this is, this is what you should do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, I'd be totally cool with that. I, just go ahead. You, you let me know uh, what that is. Well, the fact of the matter is he's already shared what that is and what that looks like through Scripture. And, and, and through the, the, as we look through the history of God's redemptive story of how Jesus has changed the entire world, we see the impact that it leaves when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, and when we're obedient to what God has called us to do. It produces blessing in our lives. Blessing that, yes, absolutely, we often take for granted, and sometimes we end up missing the point, and that's why we come up with these other sacred cows uh, that we get distracted by. And so we have to ask ourselves in our lives, like, right now, how is God working out his eternal purpose through my life? What has he called me to? And right now, like, what would be foolish for me to overlook based on the dis distraction of everything else? God is still staging for eternity, and we are part of that plan. So let's be diligent right now and see what he has set apart as sacred in our lives, what he's called us to. Otherwise, we're going to be worshiping sacred cows. And so we must cast off the comforts and the pleasures of this world that we cling to that might be easy to see but hard to get rid of for the sake of figuring this out. What is sacred to us today? Because it's not material things, and it's not material places. It's not the basilica in Rome. It's not the temple in Jerusalem. If we could find the physical cross that Jesus died on, it wouldn't even be that. Because it's you and it's me because of the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit in our life. And we carry that through every day, every moment, everything that we do. If our lives don't reflect obedience to God's word, we're going to feel tension in God's call on our life. But we don't have to know the end result to know that he's worth trusting in the here and now. God calls us to be faithful where we are before we worry about where we're going. And so the question for us, as we consider what God calls sacred in our life, we look at, our, at where we are right now in our life. Can we trace it back to God's sacred call in our life? Or, or the call of something else that we have made sacred? Like the trajectory of, of what's brought you to the place where you are right now. If you're struggling with, with God's call in your life and what that means and what obedience to him looks like, then I would encourage you to look back, to evaluate, look at the timeline of what's brought you here and see what got you there. Was it, was it God or was it something else? Something else that's been a priority or sacred? And understand that even if that's the case, that it wasn't God, that it was something else, that that's not the end of the story. Because of how God has called us is through Jesus and his grace and his redemption, the reconciliation of that relationship with him and with those around us means that we always have time to put into practice God's call on our life. When I think about how I'm here in this moment right here today, I can tell you I've made plenty of mistakes. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. You guys didn't laugh. You took that way too seriously. That makes me very uncomfortable. Hopefully those of you at home laughed a little bit more. Um, no, I'm just teasing. But when I think about like 
I went from Virginia to North Carolina to Ohio to Virginia and like all the places that I bounced, uh, you know, in, in between, like how, how in the world am I here? Why am I here in this moment? The one thing, the one thing that I can look back and say that I know is true is that all along the way, even though I know I didn't do it perfectly and will never do it perfectly, that all along the way, I was doing my best to follow God's call. And in this moment, and, and what that means and the impact for the future, I have no idea what that holds. But I do know that there's an eternal purpose in that. And I can say that with confidence, and you can too. We can say that as a body of believers. We can say that as followers of Jesus, because he's made his call in your life sacred. So I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian and you're not feeling it, you know, right now, like God's call is sacred in your life, I want to encourage you to look at your path of obedience. You know, what does it look like if I, am I trusting God's word for, for my future? Or, or am I following something else? Or, or maybe you're not a Christian, you know, and, and maybe you're ready for, you know, you've had plenty of time to try to control your own life. Look, I've been there, <laughs> I don't know how that feels. And you're ready for, for someone you can trust uh, to, uh, to lead you and guide you and direct you. And that's God. And he does that through Jesus. And I want to invite you to consider what that relationship looks like because God is calling you as well. Let me pray uh, for us as we, as we uh, head into a time of communion together. God, it is, it is so much easier to be inundated and focused on the needs of the day, the wants of the day, rather than uh, your call on our life each day. So God, I just want to ask you that, that you would make your presence known through the Holy Spirit in our lives, that you, would, that you would help us to see how you're calling us in each and every area of our life, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's entertainment, whatever it might be that we're taking part in, all of, all of those things can have an impact for eternity. And God, we ask that you, you guide us and direct us in that, um, that, that you would give us the, the strength that we need, the courage that we need to trust you in those moments. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.